afternoon, and welcome to Viva's fiscal 2022 third quarter earnings conference call for the quarter ended October 31st, 2021. As a reminder, we posted prepared remarks on Viva's investor relations website just after 1 p.m. Pacific today. We hope you've had a chance to read them before the call. Today's call will be used primarily for Q&A. With me today for Q&A are Peter Gassner, our Chief Executive Officer, Paul Shala, EVP Commercial Strategy, and Brent Bowman, our Chief Financial Officer. During the course of this call, we may make forward-looking statements regarding trends, our strategies, and the anticipated performance of the business. These forward-looking statements will be based on our current views and expectations and are subject to various risks and uncertainties. Our actual results may differ materially. Please refer to the risks listed in our earnings release and the risk factors included on the most recent filing on Form 10-Q. Forward-looking statements made during the call are being made as of today, December 1, 2021, based on the facts available to us today. If this call is replayed or viewed after today, the information presented during the call may not contain current or accurate information. Viva disclaims any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements. We may discuss our guidance on today's call, but we will not provide any further guidance or updates on our performance during the quarter unless we do so in a public forum. On the call, we may also discuss certain non-GAAP metrics that we believe aid in the understanding of our financial results. A reconciliation to comparable GAAP metrics can be found in today's earnings release and in the supplemental investor presentation, both of which are available on our website. With that, thank you for joining us, and I'll turn the call over to Peter. Thank you, Echo, and welcome to the call, everyone. It was another great quarter for Viva with strength across the business and results above our guidance. Total revenue was up 26% to $476 Subscription revenue was also up 26% to $381 million. Non-GAAP operating income was $199 million, or 42% of total revenue. As noted in my prepared remarks, we had a very good quarter in commercial with particular strength in core CRM, cross-ex analytics, and VivaLink. In the R&D area, we saw continued strength across the board in Viva Development Cloud. We'll now open the call up for your questions. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question at this time, you will need to press star, then the number one on your telephone. To withdraw a question, press the pound key. Your first question comes from the line of Stan Vyotsky with Morgan Stanley. Hey guys, uh, good afternoon and thank you so much for taking our questions. Um, maybe just starting high level, um, in, in the quarter, um, you know, what did you see as far as uh, the you know, any shifts in buying patterns? And I know you called out on the prepared remarks with a, I think an incremental $2 million headwind to billings in the quarter. Is there anything more to call out one time that, that happened in the quarter? Oh, hey, Stan, it's Brent. Uh, no, in the quarter, um, we're very pleased overall with the broad-based strength we saw in the business. Um, the one anomaly that I called out was we expected about a $14 million of one-time items to billings that came in at 16. But other than that, nothing else. I'm happy with the overall momentum and strength of the business. Got it, got it. And then as far as the, the, the way we should be thinking about guidance for, uh, for Q4, uh, you know, any other shift to note other than, you know, I think you mentioned the incremental 10 million of, uh, uh, the, the essential shifts from a renewal that we're going to be pulling, pushing out into Q1, uh, versus Q4. 
Uh, anything else that we need to be mindful of as, as far as that quarter? Any kind of underlying demand trends or anything else? Uh, yeah, so in addition to, to the item that Kim you called out, so again, we're, we're you know, very pleased with the broad day strength. A couple of items um, just to be mindful of is that the um, ACV booking linearity um, was um, a benefit more to the first half than the second half. If you remember, we had our strongest uh, two booking quarters in Q4-21 and Q1-22, so that had an impact. Um, in addition, the CRM attrition is starting to flow through, as we expect, and that does have an impact um, on revenue as well. So those are the things I'd be mindful of. But all in all, um, you know, we've never been um, happier with our competitive positioning and, and how we look at the opportunity ahead. Thank you so much, guys. Your next question comes from Dylan Becker with William Bear. Hey guys, um, nice job in the quarter and I appreciate you taking the questions here. Um, I guess maybe starting with Paul on the commercial side. Um, so nice to see some additional wins with, with early adopters on data cloud. But I wanted to maybe dig in um, into the value um, with some of the releases coming up here next year with uh, prescriber and sales data to really kind of tighten that feedback loop um, for, for these pharmaceutical companies. Um, and I guess maybe just kind of that seems like a key driver of value here, but would love to kind of uh, understand how you guys are thinking about this opportunity for those three components and data sets to really come together in data cloud as we think about uh, 2022 and beyond. Yeah, thanks, Dylan, for the question. Uh, yeah, so you're, you're right overall with data cloud. We're really excited about the potential that we have, really significant market, uh, big market. We're, we, you know, we have patient data, which is available today in the U.S. market. And as you referenced, we're going to have prescriber data in Q1 of, uh, of next year and, and sales data in Q2 of next year. So we're excited to expand that portfolio. When we do that, what that allows us to do is to be, you know, we could be that sole provider for, uh, for a life sciences company for the vast majority of their data. And that's, that's what we're approaching. Um, you know, today we have patient data, which is highly differentiated. We have a number of early customers who are proving out the value proposition of patient data, of Viva's patient data in the market. They're finding more patients. They're finding more targets. The data is more robust in many cases than what exists in the marketplace. So our hypothesis has always been we can create a better data set, and we're proving that out in the market. So we're, we're super excited about where we're going uh, with data cloud. Okay, great. That's helpful. Uh, and then maybe one for, for Peter as well. So we've seen a lot of kind of recent innovation um, across the quality as well, and I think you kind of highlighted it on the, on the analyst day about a month ago around that kind of broader opportunity set. Um, so I guess maybe the potential to kind of dig into that um, applicability here, expanding, again, outside of potentially life sciences vertical, maybe something, again, that, that shakes out more around that kind of 2025 um, timeframe, but thinking of how you guys are viewing kind of the innovation cadence in, in, in quality and the long-term opportunity of that suite in itself. Yeah, quality, we're, we're very excited about it. It's turning out to be a very broad business for us. So we added, you know, product surveillance, actually. That was a year or so ago. That's specific to med tech. You know, now adding validation and uh, QC limbs for automation, automating the quality control laboratory. So it's pretty, pretty broad. Uh, it's and it has some products that are quite mature, mature and doing well in the market, quality docs and even QMS now we've had for a long time, and then QC Limbs, which is also a really a big new product, and we're just building that one. So it has a combination of 
full, you know, products that are mature and products that are just, just brand new. And that's targeted at, at life sciences, but quality is one of those products that goes outside a little bit, service providers to, to life sciences. It's uh, contract manufacturers, et cetera, CROs. So lots of people meet our quality suite. Uh, it can be a big business for us, that's for sure. Great. Thank you guys for taking questions. Your next question comes from Ken Wong at Guggenheim Securities. Great. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, a couple of, of CRM questions for me. Uh, the first one, uh, I think I saw on the script that you guys mentioned, you know, maybe introducing a medtech CRM. Is this a is this a greenfield opportunity for you guys, or, or is this just just mildly additive by providing existing customers with uh, with a new experience? What, what's the right way to think about that particular product? Yeah, Ken, it, it is a, it's a new opportunity for us. You know, today we, we sell Viva CRM for pharma into the pharma and biotech industry, and that's built on Salesforce.com, the Salesforce platform, and that's going well, and none of that changes. So you can think of the pharma side as, you know, we're going to continue to execute as we have been. Uh, and what we announced differently was uh, really for the med tech space. So think of med tech as, you know, this could be anything from a company that sells and of heavy medical equipment all the way down to surgical gloves. So it's a broad uh, broad industry. Uh, it's a bit of a different area for Viva in CRM. We've been selling to MedTech uh, for the past couple of years, primarily our vault R&D applications, and we're doing really well. We have over 100 customers where we sell to R&D. That's, that's the big opportunity in MedTech is, is really the R&D space. But what we're doing in CRM is we're creating an industry-specific uh, application for, for MedTech. We're building that industry cloud for, for MedTech. So it's a it is, uh, it's new and additive. It's super helpful. Uh, and then I also couldn't help but notice that uh, there was a mention of a top 20 enterprise customer. Uh, I guess my understanding was you guys had pretty much locked up everyone except for, uh, for Roche, and I recall Matt used to say there was a bounty on, on that last enterprise domino. Uh, I guess should we think that you converted that, or is this um, just some, uh, some derivative of another enterprise customer that, uh, from a regional perspective, what's the, what's the, what's the happenings there? Yeah, you know, this is, this is one we're proud of. It, it's, um, uh, you know, I won't give, I won't comment on specific customers, but, you know, I will say that we do have uh, all top 20, uh, some, at least somewhere in the globe at this point, all the major markets. So uh, we're really proud of this win. This is one that, you know, this, these things take time, right? We've been executing, as you heard in Peter's remarks, we've been executing really well in CRM. We've had uh, really strong market share gains this quarter. Uh, we added the enterprise top 20, which you just referenced. That's in the U.S. market. Uh, we had some competitive uh, wins and takeaways elsewhere in Latin America and expansions uh, in Japan. So we're, we're executing on all cylinders in, in core CRM and more broadly in commercial. Yeah, so really happy with that progress. Got it. Fantastic, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Your next question is from Brian Peterson with Raymond James. Uh, hi, gentlemen. Thanks for taking the question. So I wanted to hit on the, the sales rep reductions at, at some of your customers. I'm just curious, you know, versus where we were 90 days ago, how has that progressed? And, and how should we think about the impact of those reductions in, in fiscal year 23 versus fiscal year 22? Yeah, I can give you an, an update. So just a, as a reminder, you know, we, we, we talked about roughly a 10% reduction happening uh, through the end of fiscal year 24, with most of it happening by the end of next year. Uh, with regards to this quarter in particular, it was relatively light. We saw very small 
uh, rep reductions. We do anticipate we'll see more in the Q4 and also uh, most, of, most of it happening through the end of next year. Okay, got it. That, that's helpful. And maybe just kind of a, a derivative on that. You know, it, it's interesting as, as we're starting to hear about rep reductions, you could think about maybe a move to digital. And I'm, I'm curious when you're engaging with your customers on the commercial side, Paul, like are, are they talking about spending more tech, you know, technology and, and software with you? So, you know, even though we're seeing this reduction, should we still think about spend levels overall going up? How do we kind of think about that, that dynamic? Yeah, they're, they're very much related because the reason they're able to have the productivity gains is because they're becoming more digital. Uh, so what, what's happening across the industry is, what's happened largely over the last couple of years that we've been, we've been driving this shift uh, to help our customers become more digital, more productive, more efficient, and now they have those productivity gains and they get to decide how, how they take advantage of those gains. Either they can reach deeper into the customer base or they can, they can take some as, as reductions. And it's not a science, and it takes a little while, which is why you see it playing out over time. Uh, but, yes, there's certainly a correlation. As they consume more of our products, as they become more digital, uh, there, there are the efficiency gains, which they get the benefit of. Thanks, Paul. Sure. Once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone. Your next question comes from Sterling Audi with J.P. Morgan. Hi, this is Drew on First Sterling. I was wondering if you could speak to the pipeline of new add-on products, um, particularly within CRM or anywhere else that you're seeing add-ons. Yeah, I can I can talk to that. The the add-ons continue to progress uh, really well. You know, over the last you know 12 to 18 months, you saw some acute spikes with some very specific add-ons. I would say that the tip of the spear add-ons helping our customers get to digital. And you saw that spike with Engage. Um, so we've moved much of the industry to, to some of the new, newer add-ons like Engage, but we're seeing strength more broadly across that because they're all taken together. All of those add-ons help our customers be more efficient. They help them become more digital. They help them, you know, generate data better and, and operate differently. Uh, so, yeah, we're seeing strength uh, not only in course CRM but also in the add-ons more broadly. Thank you. Your next question is from Stephanie Davis with SVB Link. Hey guys, congrats on the quarter and thanks for taking my question. I just want to call out that the uh, prepared remarks had a bunch of SMB wins. So I was hoping you could talk to traction in that end market. Um, how should we think about the relative go forward opportunity in SMB just given those broader contracts and the scale of IPO activity that we've been seeing lately? Yeah, the SMB space is it's a really important market. I mean, this is where you have, uh, you know, some of the most innovative, uh, interesting companies, biotechs, uh, often launching, launching their first, first medicine. And this could be in, you know, something that's highly specialized, oncology, rare disease. So we are able to, um, in, in many cases, start very early in the development cycle with, with our vault products, which is um, most often where we would start, um, you know, from anything from clinical to, to regulatory and, uh, anything else across the spectrum. And then, you know, as they get closer to launch, uh, often promote them into, into our commercial product set. So, yeah, we're having really good strength in that space. Now, uh, going forward, um, I anticipate, uh, you know, we'll continue to have that strength. And those customers have the unique advantage of having a clean slate. So going with 
development cloud going with commercial cloud becomes really obvious and really a whole lot easier for them compared to what uh, somebody that, that may have some legacy systems, uh, you know, tied to them. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big value proposition with those, those small customers or maybe their progress stuff. So that touches on my follow-up. Are there then some products within your suite that are much more likely to add on or attach to earlier than some of your established relationships? And um, how can we think about that op in the near term? There, there are, and it depends on where they are in their life cycle. So certainly earlier, much earlier in the life cycle, you would, you would start with uh, some of the products in, in development cloud, uh, which is likely where they would start. In, in quality, in clinical, um, you know, advancing to, to areas like regulatory. And then as they become closer to commercial, they, they actually often start with, with their medical affairs teams uh, because that's the first part of the organization that can seed and start positioning in the marketplace, and then they expand to the, uh, to the commercial product area. So it's really we can help them along that entire spectrum. Super helpful. Thank you. Your next question is from Ryan McDonald with Medium. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, my first one is really around the uh, the cross six uh, wins and the omni-channel analytics. Just curious to see what sort of momentum you're seeing in that space in terms of purchase decisions. Um, obviously, as digital becomes more important of an investment channel uh, with those rep reductions physically. Thanks. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, which is which is driving a lot of the, the momentum. You know, CrossFix is um, it's really the very best product in the marketplace. That, that has been, you know, we, we've been building and maturing that product for, for a very long time, and it's doing well in the market. We expect it to continue uh, down that trajectory. We're also innovating uh, in the CrossFix space. So if you remember, we, we did some really innovative things where we took some of the, the interesting data that comes out of CRM and we enhanced it in CrossFix, which is what our customers are looking for. They're looking to us for that kind of innovation. Uh, so it's, it's going well, and you're right. The, the big driver is as our customers are doing more digital, there's more of a need to measure and understand what's working and what's not working, and that's why they turn to CrossFix. So yeah, we're excited about that. That'll continue to be a big contributor and grower for us over the next several years. Great. And then maybe as a follow-up, I thought it was interesting uh, in the prepared remarks around data cloud and, and sort of the discovery of new use cases or new types of data within your customers thus far. We'd just be curious to hear some examples of, of some of those new use cases. Thanks. Yeah, so the, you know, we, we started with the uh, patient data. That's what we have in the marketplace today, longitudinal patient data. And we're expanding to the other data sets that we talked that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, our customers are able to, patient data is super valuable to a life sciences company, particularly for, you know, some of these uh, newer, more specialized precision medicines, as they need to have really good and deep visibility into what's happening to that patient across the journey. Uh, how are they getting diagnosed? What are some of the, some of the indicators that, you know, that may mean they have a, a medicine that they'd be able to treat that patient for longer term? So it really helps. You can think about that patient data to help identify where patients may be. Um, you can think about it as helping them to, um, to think about what treatments they're on and, and when they may transition them over to, their, to a medicine. You can also think about it as uh, segmenting and targeting customers. So those are some really specific use cases that our early customers are all using and taking advantage of today, and they're seeing, uh, they're seeing really good results with. Hey, thanks for the color. Sure. 
Once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone. Your next question comes from Brent Baseman with Piper Sandler. Hi, all. This is Hannah Rudolph on for Brent today. Thanks for taking my questions. First one is kind of a follow-up on the last question. I think in the past you've talked about customers maybe being able to find around 10% more targets using your patient data um, than using a legacy competitor data. Um, I guess where do you see that number going once you have all three data sets rolled out? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, it, it will depend on uh, certainly the therapeutic area and where we're competing, you know, who we're competing with, what you're comparing it to. We do believe because we're taking a modern approach, we're using technology, we're able to find data that others are not able to find and we're able to match those data sets together and create something really robust. So that's why they're able, we've been able to find additional patients, additional healthcare professionals and targets because of that. You know, do I see it? It, it may range, right? It's going to range. Uh, in in some, some cases, it may be higher. It may, it may be not as much. Uh, but we're, we're pleased that uh, the customers are getting the value that we thought they, they would get out of, uh, out of data cloud. And it's only going to go in the, in, in, the, in the right direction as we continue to invest more heavily in data. Great. And then how are you thinking about headcount going into next year? Yeah, I'll take that. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're pleased with um, our journey towards 10,000 um, employees in 2025. Um, we have a very aggressive targets, and we're focused on, you know, building the organization to drive customer success and innovation. So, you know, we're leaning in uh, to investing in our people. Thank you. Great. Your next question comes from Brad Sills with Bank of America. Oh, great. Thanks, guys, for taking the question here. Uh, congratulations on a nice quarter. I wanted to ask about you know, any, any deals this quarter in that top 50 segment for clinical CTMS, CDMS. How did that fare during the quarter? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we continue to cl – clinical continues to go really well for us. Uh, CDMS, as you know, uh, we continue to add customers. We've had some expansions. They're doing more trials. We're doing more oncology trials also as we're, as we're going along. Those are some more complex. You know, you need to be a little bit more adaptive, which is why they're, they're looking for something that's more flexible like CDMS. So we continue to make progress every quarter, adding more trials, uh, making progress in the enterprise also. And then with some of the more, uh, you know, the more established products like ETMF continues to perform well. And our customers are also expanding and, and looking at uh, areas like CTMS. So clinical is uh, really proud of where that's going. And then, of course, customers believe in our vision uh, for digital trials, and, and the, that clinical foundation is a really important part of that. Great to hear. And then, and then also, if I may, just you know, an update on the, the regulatory business. That, that's the vault that has been, uh, you know, you launched earliest and has seen a lot of traction over the years. How well penetrated is that in the install base? In other words, what's the runway to cross-sell and upsell that into, into the base from here? Yeah, you're, you're right. It was one of the early ones, and it's still uh, there's still a lot of runway left in, uh, in regulatory. And, and also, think about regulatory. It is a suite of products like the other areas. So we have uh, submissions and the ability to archive and, and publish submissions and registrations. So it's a number of products. And, 
you're really seeing two dynamics. One dynamic is where, uh, you know, customers who may have started with, you know, submissions and registrations, they're, and they're expanding to publishing. So we're seeing expansion from existing customers to buy additional apps. And then you're also seeing, uh, you, you saw in Peter scripted comments that uh, we had our first enterprise kind of go all in with the, with the regulatory suite. So those two dynamics are, are playing out, and there's certainly a, a lot of runway left there. Great to hear. Thanks, Paul. And, Brad, I would say a little more color in the second half of this year, you know, end of Q2 and the Q3 here, uh, and, and, frankly, the start of Q4, we've seen a lot of good momentum in the clinical data management. I think that's been, you know, as I reflect, a real bright spot. Now, particularly with large enterprises, that doesn't turn into, you know, orders or closed deals right away because that that's a risk-averse area. It has a long runway, but... Uh, that's a real bright spot, our progress in, in CDMS uh, in, the, in this, so far, this calendar year. Excellent. Thanks, Peter. There are no further questions at this time. I'll now hand it over to the management for the closing remarks. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's call. I'd like to thank our customers for their continued partnership and the Viva team for their commitment to customer success. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.